Good afternoon from Southeast Asia. <clears throat> this will be episode or volume number 17 of the Southeast Asia Chronicle podcast things. And they are designed to help you decide <clears throat> bless, if you want to move, not vacation, but to move to Southeast Asia. If you do, can you afford it? And uh, what are you going to find when you get here? And uh, not going to be what you think. In just about every category, it's not going to be what you think. I've watched all kinds of fluffy, uh, politically correct podcasts on this subject. I never watched a single one before I came here uh, about 11 years ago. Um but I since watched a bunch of them to see how accurate I thought they were. And they were just nonsense. They're just uh, fluffy, puffy, silly, frilly, millennial, woke bullshit things. The exception is there's one guy uh, down in Dumagadi who uh, makes some pretty good podcasts, but he only covers one country. Um, and he doesn't go into nearly the detail that I would like to see. So that's why we're doing these a little differently. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, okay. Now, I've been off for a while. Some some noticed, some didn't care. <laughs> didn't care. I don't, I don't know. Whatever. I've been off for a while because I have been deathly ill. And that's identified and it's taken care of. And I'm going to tell that story. Not because I like to whine about being sick, but because this is going to directly affect a whole bunch of expats. A whole bunch. Man, could I even say the majority? Maybe. Possibly. So I'm going to tell this story in a little bit of a convoluted way, kind of a backwards way. And then at the end, I'm going to tell you, <clears throat> what it is that might be affecting you that affected me. Okay, so, um, for a little bit of time before I came to Southeast Asia, I had been getting sick occasionally, and I racked it up to food poisoning. Uh, you know, sometimes you go to Burger King, you know, whatever. And uh, also to very bad diet, you know, Pretty much 100% junk food, candy, uh, milkshakes, french fries, the worst possible shit on earth. <laughs> My diet could not be any worse. If they were going to do an experiment on somebody, you know, see how long you can live eating this shit, you know? I would have been the, uh, the guinea pig. Um, so I would, I would get sick occasionally, not very often, every couple of months, you know, something like that. Just not too sick for a day or two, you know? Um, you go out for a meal, a different meal someplace, and <clears throat> in the morning you're pooping, you know, like that. Uh, everybody has it occasionally, but you shouldn't have it every couple of months. So <clears throat> it got progressively worse. When I first went to Thailand, uh, my diet was pretty good. I was eating mostly Thai food. Pretty good. My diet was, was better than it had been, and these problems went away. And, and, and I, you know, despicable me, you know, I didn't put it together really, especially at the time. 
Um, but then after a couple of years, after a couple of years, they started to get worse and, and my diet was slowly changing. I was going back to Western diets and, you know, ice cream every day and candy bars all day and <laughs> you know, stupid shit like that. Um, and I thought, well, okay, you know, the, yeah, I know this stuff isn't good for you. Uh, so what's it going to do? You know, it's going to take four days off my life. Well, you know, <laughs> who cares? Um, but then one time I got really stinking sick, really sick. Um, now, food poisoning is a big thing all through Southeast Asia. You're going to get it a lot. If you're out eating street food and restaurant food, you're going to get food poisoning. That's all there is to it. You're going to, you're going to, period. It's a given, guaranteed. Okay. So, <clears throat> this first time, I got really sick. I was down in bed for six, seven days, uh, completely dehydrated, uh, just circle in the drain. And I finally said, okay, that's it. I'm done. You know, I got to go into the hospital. Now I had not been to the hospital since I was about 25 when a helicopter crashed on my head. And uh, on that day I got stitched up, went back to work the same day. So I do not go to hospitals. I don't. I don't do it. But this time in Thailand, and I really, really, really didn't want to go to a Thai hospital, but I had to go. I didn't have any choice. I was dying and I, nothing I could do was going to recover me from, from whatever the hell had hit me. So I went in, I was in there about five days. Uh, they couldn't really find anything wrong. They went through a bunch of supportive therapy, billion, billion tests, really high end hospital, really nice hospital, had good insurance. So they spared no test. And they just didn't really find anything wrong. And they, they suggested, well, this and that. You could try this. You can try that. You know, okay, whatever. Well, I'm better now. I want to go home. You know, So I did. And uh, about a month later, uh, I got really, really sick again. Really sick again. And I thought, God, I got to stop eating the street food. You know, I just, I, I God, this is it's just killing me. I went in. And this time I did test positive for E. coli and salmonella, both at the same time. So at least this time we had a, a cause, you know, food poisoning, two different kinds. <laughs> what are the odds of that? Ah, geez. So I was really sick. I was in there about another five days. Really? Oh my God. Uh, the pain was so bad they had me on morphine. Um, and this is, this is, this is about the only complaint I ever had with Thai hospitals. The morphine IV has to be uh, administered really slowly. Slowly, slowly, you know, you got that little plunger and you, you don't do that. You know, you really slowly, really slowly. How are you feeling? How are you feeling? You okay? You okay? It, you know, it's going to take a long time. Uh, the nurses in this hospital, really high-end hospital, they wouldn't do that. Uh, that was Bangkok Hospital. They would just shove it in and it immediately, instantly makes you projectile vomit. And I, I, after I learned this once or twice, I said, slowly, slowly, I, I would even put my hand, you know, like slowly, slowly, no, they'd jam it in and I'd projectile on every time. Anyway, so that's how bad it was. Um, but they fixed me up, supportive therapy, a uh, bunch of abs, went home, felt fine, went around. Uh, about three weeks later, went to uh, 
McDonald's. And about six hours later, deathly ill. Just deathly ill. Now, I know a lot of people get sick every time they go to McDonald's. I primarily don't. I've never had a problem with McDonald's. It's like my staple food, you know. And uh, this time, I went in. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, this, this time I went in, and there was no diagnosis again. I tested negative for any kind of pathogen. Uh, just sick as a dog, sick as a dying dog. And they did supportive therapy. Okay, I did this nine times <clears throat> in a year. And finally, I got sick again. Oh my God, this is just insane. I must be dying. You know, I'm just slowly dying. And I went, I, this time I laid in the bed for nine days, um, completely dehydrated. <clears throat> and, and a weird thing was happening this time. I just got weaker and weaker and weaker. I got to the point where breathing was too much trouble. Like I didn't care if I stopped. Uh, the weakness was profound. <clears throat> uh, my bathroom door was just on the other side of my bed. I could not roll over the bed and then fall into the bathroom. I couldn't do that. I didn't have the strength to do that. Uh, somebody had to like drag me to the bathroom and then help me stand up or into a crouching position and get me on the toilet. It's all the strength I had. And I thought, well, th th this is weird. <laughs> you know, this is unusual. <laughs> And uh, finally, after nine days, uh, that's it. I'm done. Can't take it anymore. It's just, uh, stomach cramps like you couldn't believe. Jeez, um, God, that was bad. And I went in and uh, they, they discovered that I was bleeding to death internally. Uh, I got six units of blood. They said, um, had I waited a few more hours, to come in, I, they might not have been able to pull me back. Um, but this time they did, uh, if I pronounce it correctly, endoscopy, where they stick a tube down your throat. Now in this hospital, this is deluxe hospital, they knock you out. Some places they don't, and you don't want to do that. <laughs> you want to get knocked out, you want to go night-night, and then you wake up and you feel fine, and you don't know what happened. Kind of like an alien anal probe, you know? <laughs> you don't know what happened, and you're much better off for it. So uh, I got the endoscopy and, and they did supportive therapy again. And, and they got me to the point where I could at least kind of sort of stand up. I was woozy and wobbly and man, I was in bad shape. But I went up for my final consultation before I left the, <clears throat> the hospital. I said, okay, what, what, what did I have? What did I have? And they said, well, you didn't have anything uh, except this one thing. And I'm not going to tell you what that is until I finish this story. Or am I? Yes, I am. <laughs> I'll tell you now, because that fits in the story. Okay. Um, they showed me the actual pictures of the inside of my stomach. And it was ravaged beyond anything I could imagine. It was... I can't describe it. And, and they had never seen anything like it either. 
And I said, what the hell? What the hell? What the hell? That's, uh, you know, I've done all kinds of operations on animals. I know what the inside of a stomach looks like. This ain't no normal inside of a stomach. What's going on? What's going on? You know, I thought, oh, cancer. I thought I was just riddled with cancer. And the doctor sat back and he said, well, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to understand this. Um, do you, by any chance, take aspirin? I said, well, 20 years ago, 17 years ago, my doctor told me to go on the 81 milligram maintenance dose for people getting older. Uh, can maybe possibly ward off a stroke, heart attack, maybe, you know, it's not going to hurt anything, so why not take it? So I did for about 17, yeah, let's see, about 15 years. No, not even that. It was about uh, 10 years, 11 years. Uh, so I took it faithfully every day, 81 milligrams. Now, how many expats are on that? God, I'm betting. If you're over 55, I bet half of you are on that. Um, 81 milligrams, maintenance dose, aspirin. Okay. Sucking hell. So that had eaten out the insides of my stomach. Just eating it out, just made it raw and bleeding. Good. Okay. So I said, oh God, oh God, what do I do? What do I do? And they said, well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's really difficult to figure out. Stop taking aspirin. <laughs> so I did. I never took another one. And that all kind of went away, except it began to be replaced by this other thing. The other thing was acid reflux and indigestion and, and acidy stomach. Um, so, you know, that was better than bleeding to death internally, but uh, still a problem. So I went back to the doctor, told him what's going on. He said, oh, 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 here, here, take this. Omoprazole, uh, uh, Prilosec. It's a PPI, pro proton pump inhibitor. There's two kinds, basically. One works, the other one doesn't. The uh, Prilosec type does work. Stops the acid, period. Stops the acid. And uh, I said, okay, well, why, why should I suddenly have to start taking this stuff? And he said, well, the aspirin destroyed so much of your stomach that you're... you're your internal organs just aren't regulating acid like they're supposed to, and you're just way, way, way overproducing. And I'm like, okay. And I said, well, how long should I take this? And he said, well, for life. <laughs> okay, well, in Thailand, they were really, really cheap. They're about, uh, I don't know, probably a tenth the cost they are elsewhere. A tenth the cost. Um, Here's an example of the price discrepancies between Thailand and some other countries. Um, a family member needed some weird cream. He had some little rash thing. And the doc said, well, this is a particular kind of rash that if you don't do anything to it, it can eventually lead to cancer. And he's, he, he's hypochondriac anyway. And he, and he said, oh my God, oh my God, I, what do I do? And the doctor said, well, you need this really weird um, cream, this ointment. 
And uh, you go get that, you put it on there every day for, you know, a couple of months and it should be fine. It'll go away and then it's uh, done, you know, it's over. And so he went to fill a prescription. It was $601 for this teeny, tiny little tube. It was like probably smaller than a tube of travel toothpaste. Tiny little tube, $600.01. No, $600 That's what it was. And he's like, oh, jail. And insurance wasn't going to cover it or something. And so he called me and said, hey, you know, I know stuff's cheaper down there. Uh, can you get this stuff and how much is it? And I went to the pharmacy and uh, checked on it. And uh, they said, yeah, here it is. It was the same tube, same brand, same everything. Same. It was the stuff, quote unquote, the stuff, the actual stuff, not a clone, not a copy. It was the actual stuff. And uh, the Thailand price was, uh, let's see, it was 25 baht. So... I think that would have been 80, 90 cents, something like that. So I bought a couple of tubes and mailed it to him and everything was fine. That's the difference in American, well, Western prices. You don't understand how thoroughly you are being fucked up the butt by Amer American pharmaceuticals. So anyway, Prilosec, uh, I just started taking it. And within, a, man, within 24, 48 hours, the acid was gone. Oh God, I felt like brand new. felt like new. You take it just once a day. How many guys, how many expats are taking that crap? I bet a big percentage. I bet 20, 30% of you taking that crap. Okay. I took that for, well, altogether five years. I didn't like it. I didn't, I don't like to have to take anything. So I was always trying to wean myself off of it. And I would, I would get the capsules and I would, each day I would open the capsule and instead of getting 20 milligrams, I would try to knock it down to about 15 or even 12 milligrams, you know, just empties a few of the, a little bit of the contents up. Um, if I didn't knock it down too much, that was okay. I got pretty much the same relief. If I knocked it down too far, if I got down to 12, 13 milligrams, I started having acidity problems again. Uh, and then recently, last few months here, I've been so busy that I just didn't have the time to open every cap every day and try to measure out a certain amount. Of, and I just popped the whole thing, just popped the whole, the whole 20 milligrams. Okay. Now, recently, I've been getting sick again. And I thought, well, it can't be the aspirin. You know, that's all healed up. The stomach, the stomach actually healed itself. Except now the whole stomach biology was changed from the damage of the aspirin. But, but there was no more, you know, bleeding anything in the stomach. It was as good as it's going to get. Um, so getting sick again, I knew it wasn't from that. Uh, and I just couldn't figure it out. I just couldn't figure it out. And I started reading. Now, I'm one of those guys who doesn't go to the doctor unless I can't figure something out because I've been misdiagnosed with so many things so many times that I don't trust them at all. It used to be that the number one cause of death in the U.S. was doctor mistakes, and that was until recently. Doctor mistakes. I don't trust them at all. I'm not going to go there. That's a whole other podcast. But... Um, 
I finally learned that omeprazole or Prilosec, and there's a few other names for it. If you take it long term, now they, they, when you start taking this stuff, it, it always says, well, you take it for 14 days, you know, then that's it, you're done. Um, my doctor had told me, take it forever, take it for life. Just take it for the rest of your life. He's a doctor, you know. Doctors know, right? Sure, sure they do. Doctors are smart. Okay, so if you take Prilosec type medication for a while, even six months, it can and probably will set up a condition in your small intestines. Uh, they call it SIBO, S-I-B-O. You can Google it, and there's going to be a lot of you, you guys out there. Once you Google it, that's going to explain some number of the symptoms you're having right now this minute. SIBO. What does that stand for? Uh, small intestine bacterial overgrowth. Here's what happens, as I understand it. The Prilosec kills off, just stops the flow of stomach acid. When that happens, the bad bacteria in your small intestine says, oh, happy days, happy days. There's no more of that nasty acid to kill us. Now we can go crazy. We can live. We can live. And they flourish and they take over your small intestine. Let's take it over. Uh, and when that happens, you got a whole bunch of bad shit coming your way, pun intended. Uh, it's going to cause a cascade of effects. Most of them end in diarrhea. Okay? That's the end result of all these various things <laughs> that are uh, simultaneously trying to kill you. Uh, one of the things that happens is... It makes the small intestine unable to absorb nutrients. So the small intestine kind of sort of looks at the food coming through and it says, oh, this is, no, this is no good, no good, no good, no, no, this one's no good. Just pass it, pass it, pass it. And it does. And so the nutrients don't get absorbed. And then your body's trying to get rid of the stuff that the small intestines has said, is junk, and the, and the body's saying, add water, add water to that stuff, we want it out of here, and you, and you just poop it, poop it, poop it, <laughs> you know, pretty much endlessly. So that's one of the things that can happen. Uh, you'll end up with several uh, vitamin deficiencies uh, that, that this will cause, B12, uh, some other things. Uh, and, and those will, and that, those deficiencies will cause some other problems that you might be having. So, bottom line is, Prilosec is evil, pretty much. Uh, it's really good. It's really good for a 14-day regimen. You know, if you're trying to, to sort out some specific problem, God, it's great. It's a miracle medicine. 14 days. Uh, a month or two, maybe. If your doctor says to take it for the rest of your life, get another doctor. 
because it's going to screw you up. It's going to screw you up just as bad as the aspirin did, only in a different way. So, how many of you guys are out there taking that 81 milligram baby aspirin maintenance dose of, of aspirin? Lots and lots and lots of you guys. The doctors don't prescribe it much anymore because now they're learning that this can happen. Slowly they're learning. Slowly. Doctors don't like to make rash decisions, so they wait until the evidence is absolutely overwhelming, and then they say, oh, well, maybe we should think about, you know, not ruining stomachs anymore, maybe. What do you think there, Bob? You know, well, let's have a study on it, you know, and they'll go like that for years before they finally conclude, stop prescribing it. Hi, oh, jeez, and it's the same with uh, Prilosec. Um, now, a lot of doctors will say two weeks, take it two weeks, that's it, maybe a month, that's it, then, then stop it, get off. Even then, even then, if you take it for a month and you try to get off of it, it's like that alien creature in, uh, in Aliens, you know, it's, it's, got, it's got the guy around the throat, well, it's got a finger down his throat or something, and then it's got some other fingers around his neck, and they do a little teensy tiny little cut on its, uh, on its knuckle to, to try to get it off, and it goes like that, okay? Scares the hell out of everybody. Scared me really badly. <laughs> Still does when I think about it. A source of nightmares. Um, that's what it's going to be like getting off of Prilosec. Because what happens is if, if you try to stop it cold turkey, oh, F that. It's going to cause the acid production and consequently the acid reflux to come back in spades, far worse than it was in the beginning. And so you're going to go two, three, four days with, with that just constant burning and no amount of antacids seems to help it. And, and you're just going to say, oh, F this, I got to have more Prilosec and you're going to go back on it. And then after a while, you're going to think, man, this stuff is bad. This stuff is bad. I got to get off of this. It doesn't cause any symptoms that you're aware of for, for some period of time. So you're thinking happy days. Uh, this really fixed my condition. I'll just keep taking it. You know, if you only got, you know, two years to live, hell, take it. <laughs> you know, it'll make your life more comfortable. Um, so there you go. That's my story, and it's probably the story of lots and lots of guys listening. And that's kind of the sad state of affairs, affairs of uh, modern medicine. Okay, so where did we leave off anyway? I don't know. Where were we? Okay, basically we were just talking random stories about girls. Uh, unfortunately, girls are kind of the focal point of Thailand, not so much other countries. Um, to some degree, well, to some degree, all the Southeast Asian countries. Uh, not so much in Singapore, not so much in Hong Kong. They're kind of westernized where the girls are snotty. <laughs> you know, they're just snotty bitches. Not all of them, but uh, even if they want to talk to you, they won't, because they're stuck up. Well, 
let them die alone being stuck up. I mean, I, I get a, uh, you know, that just makes me happy to think that if they're so, so stuck, you know, just, just, God, okay. Um, all the other Southeast Asian countries, it, it's about girls, but not to the absurd degree that it is in Thailand. So, we're just doing random girl stories, pretty much, as, as things go along. Um, we talked about, <laughs> I've got this list of stuff here that people write in and say, talk about this, talk about this, okay, I talk. And sometimes I'm lazy and I do it. Okay, let's get off the girl thing. Internet. In Southeast Asia, if you are a digital warrior, um, you will nowadays get pretty decent internet in Thailand. You'll get much better internet in Cambodia. There is a reason for that. I'm not going to go into it now. Uh, internet in in Thailand is mostly acceptable. It's not going to be at the level it is in, in the U.S. or Western country, but it's it's doable. You know, you can do it. It's okay. Uh, you get up in around Chiang Mai, where it's, it's all digital expats. I don't think, or digital warriors, I don't think there's any Thais left up there. Jeez. I, I was up there for a while, and I had a flight out a few weeks later, uh, I left way early. I just bought a new flight because I hated it so much. It was it was just uh, it was an American town with a little bit of a Thai flavor because it's been so taken over now by by expats and sexpats that I it, I just uh, I I just went to the airport said get me a flight find me the first flight out of here I, that that's how disgusted I became with Chiang Mai. Um, lots of places all around Chiang Mai that are not like that, but Chiang Mai itself is, is like that for me. That was my assessment of it. Uh, anyway, in Chiang Mai, you're going to get pretty decent internet because they're used to cranky Westerners demanding internet that works. I mean, they, they think that's just absurd. You know, Well, why can't you do it tomorrow or next week? Well, because I got deadlines. I got customers waiting. I have audiences waiting. Uh, you know, why can't you make it work? Why can't I wait till next week? Good God, I'm not waiting on a carrier pigeon here, you know? Internet, make it work. Well, I don't know, we'll try. We'll send out a technician, you know? Okay, now, everybody on my block has the same problem. Something is out systemically. It's not gonna do you any fucking good whatsoever to send somebody to my condo. Well, you know, we'll send somebody sometime. And that can go on for weeks or months sometimes. We had an outage like that here in the Philippines not too long ago. Um, it was so bad and it looked like it was so incurable that I canceled everything I've got. I canceled my online backups. I canceled Netflix. I canceled every recurring internet thing I had because I didn't think there was any way to ever get internet here. That was through a company called Globe Telecom, right in BGC, which is the 
center of the richest, richest, snobbiest people on earth, and still they couldn't make their internet work, and they wouldn't listen to what the problems were. Everybody around the whole neighborhood had the same problem. We had three devices. They had all had the same. Let's see, one, two, three. Yeah, they all had the same problem. And all they wanted to do is send a tech to look at my router. Well, you, you, you got a brain, right? You got a brain. You got a brain. That's not going to work, Paisano. But they went for weeks and weeks and weeks like this. And I actually made a website about it. There, I, I put all, I transcribed all of their all the chats onto it. And it's, it's just like chatting with rabbits. I mean, it is truly like chatting with rabbits. Okay, so Philippines is one of the worst in all of Southeast Asia. Um, Thailand is in the middle, they're not too bad. Cambodia used to be pretty darn good. Uh, Laos, <laughs> that's truly the Shire. Laos is the Shire, you know, so yeah, you get a little bit. <laughs> uh, I remember up around Ketchikan, Alaska, um, the telecom companies, by some bizarre law, could only be run by local Indians. And uh, how often did your phone work? It was the same in New Mexico, too. I, I lived on a bunch of different reservations in New Mexico, and the local tribes had sole control over the telecoms. Phone worked half the time. Half the time. It's just, you know. Okay, you conclude whatever you want to conclude. Uh, okay, so Singapore, first class. First class, doesn't get any better. First class, everything is going to work. Every minute of every day. And if it doesn't, they're on it. They'll fix it now. Hong Kong, pretty much the same. Um, Myanmar, hit or miss. <laughs> it depends on, you know, how close the war is to you. It, uh, Myanmar is a country of uh, eternal civil unrest. Um, there's reasons for that. You can study them. If you're a Falang, if you're a Westerner in Myanmar, probably you're not going to have any trouble. You know, don't get in between the two opposing forces, for God's sake. You know, but if you're just living your life, chances are you'd be left alone. Chances are pretty high you'd be left alone. You could be killed, you know. You gotta die sometime anyway. What the hell? Um, let's see. Oh, Vietnam. Um, Vietnam is a little sketchy. Everything in Vietnam is sketchy. Everything in Vietnam is sketchy. It's a very peaceful, relaxed kind of place to live that people are pretty damn good. I mean, there's a, cry, a crime, like Saigon had pretty high crime. If you walk through a park in, in, in uh, Saigon, any park, uh, have good shoes on because you're going to trip on needles. You are. You're, you're not going to walk 10 or 20 feet without snagging up a needle on your shoe. Okay, so they got big problems like that. Uh, I was in, okay, a couple of Saigon stories. I guess it's time for that. Um, I was walking down a street with girlfriend, kind of a rainy day. 
Saigon. And I caught some movement out of the corner of my eye. Maybe I told this story. I did just ignore it. Something caught the, some kind of movement caught my attention, corner of my eye, and I looked over and there was a guy in it, like a door well, and he was like lunging out from the door well. And I, and I thought, oh, what the hell? And I kind of jumped to the side and he was on me. He, he anticipated I was going to jump to the side and he had jumped farther than he thought he was going to have to jump because he thought I was going to jump to the side and he was just on me. He got both arms around my ankles, hold them tight. And I danced around for a minute trying to kick him loose. And I couldn't kick him loose. He had an iron grip. And finally I went down. He's already on the ground. And I went down. Struggled around for a few minutes. And I don't think he expected me to fight as hard as I did. I uh, kicked him in the face a few times. Trying to get him off. And finally that broke his, his grasp. And, and I got off and got back up. And what the hell? What the fuck are you doing? You know, like that. Because I wasn't done. I, I wanted I wanted some blows to, to start going. Uh, and, he, and he said, English was very bad, but he said, I fix shoe. I fix shoe now. What? And he had a little box. He had a little, uh, like a little carpenter's box with him. I said, what the hell are you talking about? What do you mean fix my shoe? My shoe is fine. And he, and he said, no, look, look, look. And I looked down and there was a big slice on my shoe. Um, he had had some kind of a little exacto knife and he had sliced open my shoe right down near the sole. And he said, I fix you, I fix you. And I sort of put together what had happened. I couldn't imagine that anybody would actually do that, but it just, you know, just because he had tackled me meant he wasn't going to get the contract to fix my shoe. So I'm like, go, go, go away. And uh, we had a heated argument there for a minute. And then finally he just turned and in the door well, all this time waiting, had been a, a Vietnamese cop, Saigon cop. And he motioned the cop over and, and, the, and the cop said, uh, you must pay him, fix you. I said, no, not going to happen. Yes, we take you to jail. Okay, let's go now. Let's go. Let's go to the jail now. We'll call the embassy. We'll try to get this on the on the international news. Come on, let's go. Well, well, you don't pay him, fix you, because he's the one who cut it. Well, I never see him cut the. Sh what, what were you doing waiting there while we were wrestling on the ground in the rain on the wet sidewalk? What, what were you doing just standing there watching? You know, and it went on like that. And his English was enough that he could understand most of it. And uh, finally, uh, I just turned with Griffin and walked away. I said, we're done. You want to shoot me in the back? Shoot me in the back. Arrest me. Arrest me. Do it now. Or we're leaving. And we just turned around and walked away. And, and they didn't follow us. Now, the twist on that up in Hanoi is that people have claimed, and I have trouble believing this. I really have trouble believing this one. People claim that they will do that. They'll tackle you to the ground. And then they have some kind of acid or glue cutter or something that they pour onto your shoe and it instantly dissolves the glue in your shoe and instantly the seams come apart. Well, the seams are usually stitched anyway, except for the sole. 
I, I just, I can't imagine that anything you could pour, you know, in that seam between the sole and the shoe is going to soak in there enough to instantly make the sole come off. I, I, just, I can't really grasp that, but I've heard that story a number of times. Maybe, I don't know. Some kind of alien super glue unsticker shit. I don't know what. But anyway, that's the common story up there. And they are far more aggressive in Hanoi. Because Hanoi is more communist than Saigon. I mean, communist is such a wonderful thing. Get around the world, you little snowflake woke motherfuckers, and experience real communism and then go back to the U.S. and tell people you want that. Fuck you. You stupid little twits. Fuck you up the ass, you stupid little fucking morons. Jesus, go get some life experiences before you're spouting that goddamn stupid shit. Jesus Christ. Anyway, so, okay, I had that bad experience. And it was only like the next day or a couple of days later, I'm walking down the sidewalk, whole other part of Saigon, with girlfriend. And up ahead, about half a block or so, I noticed that there's a huge congregation of really raucous uh, Vietnamese guys, few girls, mostly guys. They were like frat boys and girls. And they were raucous. Uh, they were having some pushing and shoving matches and heated voices. And it, it looked like, uh, looked like just a gang, just a big gang, you know, probably 50 of them, I would guess, 40 or 50 of them, a lot of them. And there, uh, it spilled out onto the sidewalk, a little bit into the street. And to go where we were going, we had to walk right through the middle of them. And I thought, oh, man, oh, geez. Well, this would be a lot of fun, won't it? You know, my girlfriend can watch me get my ass kicked. You know, that would be a lot of fun. And I'm, there are probably times when I'll cross the street to avoid shit. Usually I won't, and I didn't, and I just kept walking. And I got closer and closer, and pretty soon they noticed I was coming, and they're jumping around, hooting all the more. Uh, I thought, well... <laughs> you know, this is going to be memorable. Uh, I just hope I get to break a few sets of teeth before they take me out. You know, that's, <laughs> that's it. <sighs> and we kept walking and we got right up to them. And they were blocking. I, I couldn't get through. And so I started to push through them. Not with my hands, just with my body, just pushing through. And so now I'm in the middle of their group. And they all crowded around. And I thought, okay, who's first? You know, who's first? <laughs> Is it you? Is it you? And one of them took a, like a slurpy kind of a thing that he'd been drinking on. And he shoved it into my hand. And I tried to refuse to take it. And a couple of them got a hold of my arm, held it up. And right now we're at the point of, of just about fighting. I held my arm up, put it in my hand, and I thought, well, okay, I'll take it because then I can squeeze it into somebody's face. You know, that'll be a good first something. Shock them, you know. <laughs> the fuck? I'm not about to drink it. And uh, so I took it, and they patted me on the back, and I said, okay, that's the prelude. You know, now 
Somebody's going to swing, probably from the side, probably going to be a sucker punch from the temple, you know. Which one? You? You? Which one? And the one guy, the biggest guy, and he put his hand on my shoulder, and I'm just about to flick it off. You know what's coming, don't you? No, you don't. You think you do, but you don't. Because I didn't. And he says, Sir, would it be okay, sir, could you sit with us for a few minutes, sir, and help us pronounce English? What do you do? <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> I said, sure, of course I can. Thank you for asking. And we sat down, we practiced a little while, went on our way, and I was their best bud forevermore. <laughs> so, before you're quick to judge Vietnam, take time. I had some amount of trouble with beggars, not overly aggressive. I had a little bit of trouble with American beggars. I don't know how the hell they got there. I suppose they were hanging around on overstays, just didn't have enough money to leave. They were uh, clearly addicts. Probably got to, in, got into the easy access of, of heroin or something. And uh, could probably never afford to leave. They just had to, to stay hidden until they died, you know, pretty much. Because if they get hit for overstay, they're going to go in the joint. And it's a bad joint. And they're going to stay there for a long time before they ship them out. And their habit's going to go to shit, and they're going to go through withdrawals, and they really, really don't want to get caught. Uh, so there are some small number of freaking uh, expat junkies hanging around Saigon. I don't, I don't know about Hanoi. I never went up there. Um, I found prices in Vietnam high for for most things. Um, Okay, I think that's all we can do about that. Um, now, internet in all all around Southeast Asia. Okay, I I, I, I think that's covered, right? If, if you got any more questions about that, write in. Uh, okay, people think uh, Singapore is much better. Is that true? Well, yeah, it's very much true or more, true or more <laughs> from the standpoint of crime. You won't find any crime saying Park because they'll kill you. They'll cane you until you're dead. <laughs> you know, it's just okay with me. I want to help them. Um, I had one experience in Singapore. I was uh, walking down the sidewalk. I hope I didn't already tell this. I was walking down the sidewalk, nice day. A little booth there on the sidewalk said ice cream. Oh, happy days. That's a good day. Oh, yeah, I want ice cream right now because it's hot, you know, hot and rainy. <laughs> so Singapore rains a lot, by the way. Oh, a little too much for me. Um, not all year, but an awful lot of the year. It's really rainy, jungly. A lot of English, though. Mostly English. Every once in a while, the population tries to start bastardizing the English, and they get to the point where the English can't understand them, and the government gets on them. No, 
no, we speak English in Singapore. <laughs> and that kind of brings them back into line for a while. And, you know, like that. Uh, so I got an ice cream and I, I walked over literally three feet from this little, to the side of this ice cream shop. And I was standing there. It was an ice cream cone, as I recall. And uh, I started to eat it. And I got a, a third of the way done with it and some cop comes trotting over. And they said, no eat ice cream, no eat ice cream. What? I, I bought it right, right, right. three feet. Look, look, I, look, I can, I can touch it. I can touch the little shed thing. No eat ice cream. And then they pointed to a sign that says you cannot eat ice cream in this space. Well, then where can you eat it? Um, because if I go any direction, I'm either going to go in the street or I'm going to go into the flow of pedestrians. This was the only space where nobody was walking. And I never did figure that one out. But no eat ice cream, you know. So I didn't. I'm not going to get caned or ice cream. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I just walked away. I think I ate it as I walked or something. I don't know what the hell. But... So Singapore's got a lot of stuff like that. Ah, uh, there. Starrit. And the end result is it makes it a very lovely place to live, but not so much of a lovely place to enjoy life, unless you just want to walk around and worry about where you can eat your ice cream. You know, if you're in the corporate structure and your main concern is getting to work and working and getting home, Going to a movie. That's going to be a delightful experience. You're not going to have a screaming gangbang or pieces of fucking shit in the theaters. You're not going to have it. It won't happen. And if it did happen, they're out and they're going to get caned. <laughs> you know, probably the ushers are authorized to do it. I don't know. Um, Cambodia. No, we've been there. Okay. Oh, God. Here's a Thailand story. Um, God, I hope I didn't also tell this one. I think I did. The Russians, Thailand, fed the fish. They, they went to a little stall next to the beach and they bought, it said fish food, and they bought some fish food for five bucks. Walked 20 feet across the promenade and threw it in the water for the fish and the fish came oh thank you thank you and they got arrested and fined some ungodly fine huge amount of money for feeding the fish because you're not supposed to because somebody has determined that in some microscopic way it harms any coral reefs that might possibly be in the region you know okay that's that's the craziness of Thailand Okay, if, you, if you're not going to allow people to feed the fish, don't allow a goddamn fish feeding stand 20 feet away from where the fish are. You know, that's kind of a no-brainer. Uh, all right, and I talked about the guy who uh, left a bad review for the resort he was in, American guy. Went to jail. Went to jail for leaving a bad review on something like Expedia or something. Um, crazy people. Oh, there's that story right there. 
Somebody want to know about that? Yeah, okay. And this is why if you start researching Thailand um, and you want to know what other people think, you're only going to see the glowing reviews. Glowing reviews. Because what will happen is somebody leaves a bad review in that hotel or restaurant or whatever. If they have the wherewithal, they'll get a hold of the site hosting the review, whether it's Expedia or, uh, you know, any place. And they'll say, hey, you got a bad review on that. Either take it down or we're going to cut off your access to Thailand. Well, Thailand is a huge uh, tourist destination, so they don't want to lose the revenue of people booking stuff in Thailand. So they just take down the bad review. So even in America, they can reach out and touch you even in America. So you're going to get a vastly distorted view of businesses and things, especially touristy things in Thailand, vastly distorted. You're going to see everything's all milk and cream and honey and peachy keen, and, and it's not, not even remotely close. <sighs> okay, so you got to keep asking yourself as we go through these, are you really escaping the matrix? And I'm going to keep asking that again and again. Are you really escaping the matrix by going to uh, anywhere in Southeast Asia? <laughs> well, it's, uh, and I mean, the answer is the same every time. In some ways you are, some ways you're not. You're leaving part of the matrix behind, but you're getting into a whole new matrix by going to another place. Maybe that new matrix will be easier for you to choke down. For lots of people it is. For me it is. For lots of people it is. For some it is not. Some people cannot cut Southeast Asia. They cannot. Who are those people? Okay, this is really good advice here. If you are anal retentive, don't fucking go. Do not fucking go. Do, just don't go. Probably not even for vacation. A week. Not two weeks. A week. Take somebody with you who's, who's has a calming effect on you because you're going to get pissed. And getting pissed in Southeast Asia is not allowable. Maybe in Cambodia. <laughs> um, if you're anal retentive, if you are uh, crotchety, angry, if you have anger issues, uh, don't go. Just save you and them a lot of trouble. Just don't go because that's not the place for it. They'll eat you alive. Americans, Westerners are used to being able to voice their opinions and call them foul when they see a foul and call them bullshit when they see bullshit loudly, publicly. No, 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 not Southeast Asia. No, 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 no. Some countries are worse. Uh, Thailand is probably the worst. Uh, you do not raise your voice. You do not. You do not raise your voice. Because if you do, you've lost. Whatever the argument is, you just lost it. And then whoever's watching, the police, whatever, whoever's watching, now you are theirs by raising your voice. That means you are uncouth, uneducated. You come from the province. You're low class. You raise your voice. You're calm, no matter what. 
if they're going to stop you on the sidewalk and the cops run over to you and they shove two bags of cocaine in your pocket and then they arrest you for possession of cocaine, you do not raise your voice. You sort it out later because if you raise your voice, it's going to make it far worse. You get in front of the judge and the cops will say, well, he was rude and abusive and he was yelling. Guilty. And that's it. That's it. It doesn't depend on evidence. Not in Southeast Asia. Singapore, yes. Hong Kong. Well, Hong Kong was fairly straight before the Chinese stole it. Now it's just, well, it's Chinese. So. <sighs> okay. Oh, and here we go. People want to know about the Chinese. Okay. Fucking Jesus Christ. I've been regretting I've left this one on here for a while because I didn't want to do it. Uh, now, everybody knows that Thais came originally from China. I can't remember what region they figured they originally came from. Uh, like in the, I can't even remember, 800,000 years ago, something they meandered down into Thailand. So the, the Chinese are... I mean, I mean, the Thais are Chinese. Oh, don't tell them that. Oh, God, fucking no. They hate the mainland Chinese. And if you tell them they are Chinese, that they'll slap you. No, I mean they'll slap you. Because they know that's bullshit. They'll slap you. Even if you tell it as a joke, they'll slap you. Because they don't want to be Chinese. Nobody wants to be Chinese. I don't know of any country in Southeast Asia that likes the Chinese with the possible exception of Cambodia because they are predominantly Chinese, I think. Oh, Vietnam. Um, hmm. Yeah, they'll, they'll go crazy at that one. Um, the Chinese are pretty prevalent in Thailand. Now, I find a distinct difference in two kinds of Chinese in Thailand. One is the Chinese that were probably born in Thailand. They, their parents came directly from China, but they're born in Thailand. And they were raised in Thailand with Thai ways and Thai customs. Um, and then there are the mainlanders who come down in midlife to, to settle there or to vacation there. Uh, both of those are pretty bad class of people. The ones who were born in Thailand just happen to be Chinese. They seem to be Decent people, not always, but that's a pretty good mix. I have, well, I have uh, two, actually. I have two good Chinese friends in Thailand. They were both good to me in every business dealing we did. They were exactly, perfectly good. If there was a problem, they straightened it out cheerfully. Uh, they can be a little dishonest, you know, if they think they can get away with it. But if they can't get away with it, then they fix it. Fix it. Because they do have some latent sense of honor. You know? Not like the Chinese, like, like the mainland Chinese have, who have zero concept of the concept of honor. Zero. They don't have any. doesn't exist. They don't know what it is. Uh, they were taught centuries ago that working was good. And then it, the concept came up that working smart was better. 
And that concept got morphed into the idea that, well, you know, stealing was just kind of an example of working smart. Because the people who steal very often get away with it, so they get ahead in life. So that's working smart. They were smart to do that because they got ahead, and that's all that matters. They have no inbred sense of honor at all. At all. That's why they've stolen every single American invention, and they copy it mercilessly all day, every day. Uh, God. The Chinese are the most annoying people I've ever encountered anywhere in the world. Now, I, I said at, at the beginning of these, I said the Brits in Thailand were the most annoying. Well, they are in the sense that they're the ones that are going to be in your face. So you're going to see them more. And they're going to be annoying directly to your face. They're not going to back it up. You get ready to smack them in the fucking teeth, they'll run. But they're going to be mouthy as hell right up to the point you smack them in the teeth. Oh, God. The Chinese are sneakily annoying. Um, and sometimes not so sneakily. I... God. One of their tricks is to... They, they come down in caravans of buses. I've seen like 100, 120 buses at a time coming in a, in, in, in a caravan down from China into even central, sometimes southern Thailand. Long, 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 long ride. Um, and they get off the buses, and there is, it's like opening the door and all the ping pong balls bounce out into the wind. They, they used to stick strictly in orderly little groups, and the tour guides would lead them around, look at this, look at this, okay, now we eat here, you know. And then they weren't too much of a problem then, but then they changed their policy. They just started letting them run loose. I suspect the Chinese demanded it. And they just run loose. And they run helter-skelter through the towns. And they fill up every shop. They will fill up the 7-Elevens until you can't even get in the door. Can't even get in the door. There'd be a queue outside to get in 7-Eleven because it's full. Physically, you cannot fit another person in there. And they're just looking at stuff. They don't buy anything. Maybe a pack of gum. Because they don't have any money. They don't buy anything. They're just looking. And if they do buy a pack of gum, they're going to argue over the price. Seriously, I have personally watched them argue or try to barter on the price of a pack of gum. Jesus. If you do get into the store, uh, and let's say you need to get to the milk. Don't even... I used to waste time by saying, excuse me, pardon, pardon. And, and I sort of tap them on the shoulder, you know, and say, look, look I, I need I need to go to the milk, you know. And they just give you the deer and, deer and headlights stare. They have no clue what you want or why. And I got to the point where, after years, I would just say, move. And if they didn't, I moved them. It's cattle. They're just cattle. 
they will go into the restaurants. They were never designed for karaoke. They'll bring their own equipment. Maybe it's in the middle of rush hour and they'll set up karaoke speakers. And the staff sees what they're doing. They'll run over and say, no, 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 my, 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 my karaoke. They say karaoke. My karaoke. Um, and the Chinese just brush them off. They just brush them off. Maybe they've ordered a little bit of food, but a bunch of alcohol. And it's now going to be a karaoke bar instead of a nice restaurant. And I've seen them clear out nice restaurants. And I've left innumerable times because they'll start cranking out the stupid Chinese karaoke, dancing and, and shouting and screaming. And I guess that's singing. I don't know. Um, the staff is trying to get them out, trying to get them out. If the staff pushes too hard, the Chinese will go berserk and they'll start overturning tables, throwing dishes and pushing the staff around and go right back to the karaoke. I've seen that over and over. Over and over. Um, they go into the malls. Now the malls in Thailand are nice. Nicer than almost any mall I've ever seen in America. They're nice. Really nice malls. I don't know why, because nobody has any money to buy anything, but the, the, the Thais just go in, well, all the Southeast Asians, they go in and for the air con, for the air conditioning. They don't plan to buy anything. Uh, they just like to shop and look because that gets some air conditioning. In the room, they don't have air conditioning. Um, so they go in the malls. In the restaurants that they could afford, they don't have air conditioning and they can't sit there all day without buying stuff. So they go into the malls where they don't have to buy anything. So the malls are full, very, very few sales. But the Chinese will come in and they don't plan to buy anything either. And they might be literally 20 feet from, get ready, get ready for this one. I've seen this more times than I can count. They might be 20 feet from the big sign that says restrooms, you know, a little man and a woman. Um, and the kids are the adults, the males are the females, right there in the center of the big marble aisles with throngs of people trying to get through. They just pull their pants down or pull the dress up and shit. Now you're thinking, no, that can't, that, no, 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 that, no, that cannot happen. Okay, I, I, do, I suppose you can go Google it, I don't know. Uh, they just shit, and it reeks, and the people are taking selfies, the ties are taking selfies, and people are screaming at them, and the Chinese are giving them the finger, fuck you, fuck you, they, you know, they learn fuck you, that's all they know. And they shit, and they take their time. And maybe they wipe, maybe they don't. And of course, when they shit, they pee, and the pee streams across the marble aisles. Can block off three quarters of an aisle. And the guards don't seem to do a goddamn thing. The, you know, they'll send a cleanup crew to clean it up. But the, nothing ever happens to the Chinese. Nothing ever happens to them.
the Thais think they're making big money on the Chinese, so they don't want to piss them off, but they're not making diddly squat off the Chinese. If the Chinese are going to spend money anywhere, they only spend it in Chinese-owned stores. Period. So everybody's afraid to offend, to offend the Chinese. Everybody hates their guts. One of my girlfriends worked in a, in a Thai clothing store. And occasionally Thais would come in and steal stuff or try to steal stuff. Very occasionally, some stupid phalang would come in and try to steal something. Uh, that would happen maybe every three to five months. Not even, not even that. Probably once every six months that a phalang would try to steal something. Uh, the Thais would try to steal something probably once or twice a month. The Chinese would try to steal something one to four times, one to five, one to five times a day. Uh, and often enough, they got away with it, and it made them hard to stay in business. It made it hard, hard for them to stay in business. Uh, you can Google this one. Uh, there was a, a flight going from Bangkok to, uh, I think they were headed for Beijing. Not sure. They're on the tarmac at Suwarnapum in Bangkok. And they got tired of waiting. A little bit of a flight delay, or maybe there wasn't even a flight delay. I don't know. So they all popped open the emergency exits and went outside, sat on the wings, and laid out their lunches. They all got arrested, but they were incensed. Why would you arrest us? Why? Why? You are a racist! Well, I wasn't before, but I am now. Uh, that's what the Chinese do everywhere they go. I was sitting in a I was in a casino in uh, Phnom Penh, and I was in the, uh, what, do you, what do you call it, the, uh, God, oh, my brain is really good. The antibiotics really, really make you foggy-headed. Uh, God, a place where you go in and you can eat whatever's there. What the hell is it? <laughs> I'll remember it. In <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, I was in a big one of those. Anyway, really, really big one, probably... 40, probably 40 tables, something like that, big tables. Each, each table could seat probably eight people, from four to eight people, okay. Um, and we're sitting there, there was one Chinese guy sitting at a table about five tables from us, and then there was us, a couple of us. That's it, that's all it was. So we went, we paid our money, and then you go in, you can eat whatever, whatever you want for as long as you want. And so we were, we were chowing down. Shrimp, every kind of good thing, it's good food. And we're about halfway through this meal and this Chinese woman comes and she pays her money. And she comes in and she looks around at all the food on the, in the racks, you know, and the, on ice and everything. And then she comes over to our table and she sits down. Or we had a table for four. She sat down, took a third third chair. And she just started eating off our plates. And I, I was just ready to backhand her. <laughs> and I thought, no, no, wait a minute. This is, 
this is fun in other countries. <laughs> you know, let's see what the hell's going to happen here. <laughs> and my girlfriend was just apoplectic. She wanted a fighter. And she's a, I don't know, 35, 38-year-old Chinese woman. Uh, so we just watched her. Because, you know, we can go get more food. doesn't matter. <laughs> we wanted to see what the hell. A couple of times we tried to talk to her, you know, no speak of English, no speak of Thai. Um, and she ate all the good stuff off of my plate and picked the really good stuff off a girlfriend's plate. And then when she had gotten all the good stuff, she went back to my prawn tails <laughs> and one by one started eating those. Crunch, crunch, crunch. <laughs> She'd crunch them up and swallow them down. And she ate every prawn tail. And I, I, I kept saying, look, you know, you, 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 go, you go there, you get all you want. You know, you get you, 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 you get more. You get more. There, that's free. Free, you already pay. You know, you can. <laughs> she didn't, she could not grasp the concept. And I, and I tried it quite a few times. I would get the attention of the, of the staff and say, um, you know, look, look, she, look, we, we want you to go, go, go. And they would just look at me, you know, like, well, what's the problem? You know, because they're Chinese. <laughs> and we let her finish everything. And then she wandered off and then we got fresh new plates. And, uh, and we moved the extra chairs away from our table so she couldn't sit there again. I'm surprised she didn't come and drag one up back up to our table. But, and then she went over to the Chinese guy's table and he just barked at her. He, he, he's Chinese, so he could tell her to fuck off in Chinese, you know, and she did. That, exactly that kind of thing is the experience that you're going to have. How many times a day? Between two and five times a day, probably, if you're out walking around, doing stuff, going places. Between two and five times a day in a place that's got a lot of mainland Chinese. Now, let's talk about Chinese merchandise. Oh, no, no. Let's talk about this other thing first. In this town, there was a huge complex. It was a huge building. Now it's like three buildings because they made so much money. They expanded. It was a gigantic one-story building. And the tour buses would pull up to that thing about 7 o'clock at night. There might be two or three hundred tour buses outside of this complex thing. And the Chinese would start lining up to go in there. And it's husbands and wives, and they got their kids. Little kids, big kids, every kind of kid. Sometimes they're little yapping dogs. And we watched this thing forever, for years. And there was no kind of a sign that said what went on in there. <laughs> we just couldn't figure it out. And we asked around a few times, we'd go to the staff at the at the window of these places and we'd say, well, what 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 what, what do we see? If we go in, what do we see? Oh, you cannot, Falang cannot, Madai, Madai, Falang, Madai, Pai, go! <laughs> what? Is it a movie? Is it a theater? Is it a 
ไปไปขึ้นไป <laughs> like okay okay you know you know I call the fucking police and that went along for a long long time like a year that's as far as we pursued it and then finally we found somebody who worked there who had previously worked there we said, what in the hell are they doing in there the, the price was really high to go in I can't remember it was God, I can't remember. It was 50 or 100 U.S. per person to get in there. Really stinking high. So this place is doing 300 tour buses a night. How many people on tour bus times 50 or 100 bucks? That's money beyond my comprehension, really. So what could possibly be in there that's such a big draw? That these dirt poor Chinese are paying this by the throngs. And she said, Oh, we cannot talk. We cannot talk. Oh, no, no, no. That is secret. You can't. Falang cannot know this. And my girlfriend was tied and she took her aside and said, Look, bitch, tell me. I'll kill you. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so little by little, it started coming out. And then she would open up and talk to me about it. It was a sex show. It wasn't any sexual. It wasn't a striptease show. It wasn't girls dancing around, you know, nothing like that. It was a sex show. It, of course, on the stage. In every kind of possible position, in every kind of twisted, perverted fucking way. And the show was like three or four hours. So it was quite comprehensive. And the Chinese would show up on the buses. They didn't have any place to take their kids. So they took them in. And they didn't prohibit them. This is going on today. And then we finally, we confirmed that through a number of other sources finally, because we would tell them, look, we know, we know what's going on in there. You know, we're not stupid. Uh, lived here a decade, you know, now just tell me what's going on in there. And, and, and we would bait them a little bit. We know about the sex shows. Oh, you know? Oh, you're not supposed to know that. Okay. And then they would open up and they would tell us because we already knew. And they would give us more details and more details. And the cops were getting payoffs that were incomprehensible. Incomprehensible. That's the mainland Chinese. Oh, God. There used to be a... There used to be... Well, still is. There's a pier. Long, long pier. God, it's like... I don't know, two-thirds of a mile goes out in the shallow bay. And on the end of the pier is a restaurant. <laughs> and nobody goes to it at all. It's a seafood restaurant. Nobody goes out there because why would you? Why would you drive out this long pier only to go to one restaurant when there's 50 of them where you don't have to drive out on the pier? But this thing is sitting out there by itself. And I used to go out there quite a bit. I'd take pictures. It was a little bit of a picture-y kind of a place. So I'd walk out there, take a motorbike out there, whatever. And I never paid any attention to this restaurant. And one day I was walking by it. <laughs> and uh, they had a bunch of live tanks at the front of the restaurant. And I'd seen them a thousand times, but I, I, got, I just looked at them this time. 
And one of them had, was full of lobsters. They were kind of sort of alive, you know, barely. They would twitch once in a while, so they were technically alive. Um, and the price on them was, God, I, I got pictures of it. I got pictures of it, but I can't remember exactly. It was, uh, God, I don't know, like $200 per kilo. Something like that. Kilogram. To about two pounds. Uh, so here's what happened. The only customers allowed out there, well, I, I tried to go in this thing one day. I tried to go in. I wanted to see what else they had. Maybe they got something affordable, you know. And I started to go in. And uh, they said, no, 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 no filling, no filling, no filling. My filling. Ka. <laughs> I insisted a few times, well, okay, okay, you don't want me to eat, but at least I can look at the menu. No, 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 cannot, cannot, cannot. But I, but I. And uh, I never did get to see the whole menu, but this one lobster tank, I took a bunch of pictures of it at that moment. And when the owner saw me taking pictures of it, he came at me with a, the fuck was it? Some kind of, might have been a shovel or something. I can't remember what it was. There's something long on the end of a stick, you know, something that could really hurt you. And he's swinging it at me and, and yelling something in Thai that I couldn't understand, or maybe it was Chinese, I don't know. And uh, clearly the message was, fuck off, you know, I'm going to hurt you. And I already had all my pictures, so I just walked away. Um, so the deal was that the, the Chinese were the only ones allowed to eat there. The Chinese buses would bring the Chinese tourists in the bus all the way out on that pier. Nobody else out there. And funnel them into this restaurant telling them how special this lobster was and how this was the best deal anywhere on earth. And they'd go in and they'd chow down on this lobster that was, you know, many times the regular price. And then they'd go home and tell everybody that about the, you know, the golden plated lobster that they ate in Thailand. Oh, you have to go there. You know, not because it was any fucking good, just because they had to try to justify paying an obnoxious, ludicrous price. So, anyway. Um, okay. I oh, no, there is one more aspect of the Chinese. And I have to cover this. This is about Chinese products and merchandise. This is one of the biggest annoyances you'll find anywhere in Southeast Asia. Anywhere in Southeast Asia. This is one of the very biggest problems you will have. And nobody will tell you about this. Nobody. They'll mention it and they'll chuckle a couple of times. No, they're not getting through to you. I'm going to try to get through to you. Um, this is about Chinese merchandise in all of Southeast Asia. Okay, when I owned the salvage, diving, and rescue business <clears throat> many lifetimes ago, um, we had a bunch of different vessels. We had a couple small boats. We had like a 44-foot tug. We had an 88-foot tug. We had a lease on a 250-foot tug. 
and we had a little barge thing and we had a bunch of stuff. Okay. Um, the barge had twin engines. They both crapped out. And we needed new engines. <clears throat> and we're looking around, looking around. Uh, you know, normally you might pop Detroit's in there, a couple of Perkins or something like that. And we found these ads uh, for these Chinese engines, credible guarantee. And we thought, well, then China is kind of the new up and coming presence in, in the global merchandise market. You know, what the hell? They were really, really cheap. Um, and we thought, well, even if they're crappy, you know, now a really well-built diesel, you take an old Atlas or an Enterprise, something like that. I have literally personally seen them go 100 years. They're put in a tug in uh, even 1900, and they're still going today if they're properly maintained. 123 years. Uh, a good engine can do that if they're rebuilt on time and properly maintained. Even a crappy thing like a Detroit. Fuck um, or a cat, which is better, but still not like an enterprise. Uh, they can go 40 years with proper maintenance, 40 years. Maybe some guys are running them still at 60, I don't know, but 40, 40 is not unreasonable. Uh, if they're only lasting 20 years, then you're probably doing something wrong. Okay. So we figured, okay, if these things are shit, um, you know, we're... I don't know, maybe maybe the worst case scenario, 15 years, you know. Uh, so we popped, we bought them. And they shipped them from China, they showed up, nicely crated. We uncrated them on the dock and had a winch and we lowered them into the engine rooms of this barge and hooked them up and yeah, they were okay. Everything was in Chinese, all the gauges were in Chinese and we had no freaking idea what they were reading and stuff like that, so that was a problem. They came with all kinds of spare parts, and uh, we noticed that the workmanship was kind of funky, <laughs> you know, to say the least. But we thought, well, you know, Filipinos can be supremely inconsiderate, like they usually are. That will be an annoyance for you if you come to Philippines. Supremely inconsiderate, supremely. They just don't care. They have no concept of common courtesy. None. Doesn't enter their little brains. So be prepared for that. Anyway, we're thinking, okay, 15 years, we get 15 years. We, we unboxed them and got them in and they ran. They ran. They didn't seem to have the horsepower that they were advertised to have, but you know, it's okay. Barge didn't have to go very fast anyway. Um, <clears throat> and we ran them around for a while. And, and they came with a whole bunch of spare parts. And we thought, well, that's nice. That's a nice touch. We kind of wondered, well, why would they be thinking we need all these spare parts? But, uh, you know, okay. Within six months, we had used up probably all the spare parts. Because <laughs> every component went out. And, oh, geez, this is ridiculous. Okie dokie, then. Uh, another aspect of Filipinos is that 
<clears throat> when they are supremely inconsiderate, which is most of the time, and you call them on it, they're also supremely apologetic and polite. That's the other side of the Filipino coin. You know, it doesn't occur to him to just avoid the whole problem and stop being inconsiderate in the first place. But, uh, you know, that, that's a, it helps. It helps when, <laughs> when they're nice. That's <laughs> like you're driving on the freeway and some guy cuts you off <clears throat> and, uh, and flips you off. Huh? Really? Let's have a word about this, uh, Paisano. Okay, that's going to be your attitude. But if some guy cuts you off and then somehow makes it known to you that he is sorry he did that, defuses it, done, it's over. You say, okay, okay, forgotten. Have a nice day. Okay, so within a year, to a year and a half most. I think we struggled on for about a year and a half. Uh, both of these engines were steaming piles of junk. And we jerked them out of there and we had a little forklift. We took them over and shoved them off the side of the board. Uh, that was our very first introduction into Chinese merchandise. Now, we noticed over the coming years that Little by little by little, Chinese goods were beginning to creep into the American marketplace in, in all, all the Western countries. Um, <clears throat> they were shit. They were as shit or more shit than these engines. Oh, it was bad stuff. Uh, in the old, old, old days, if you remember that, expats will remember it. Um, anytime something said made in Japan, it was joke. You didn't buy it. Don't go near it. Made in Japan. Had a little sticker. No, forget it. Don't buy it. Uh, the Chinese, however, learned over decades. They learned how to make better stuff. And they did. And uh, now, what's the quali quality of... Uh, I mean, Japanese. God dang it. These abs, the antibiotics are screwing me up. Um, the Japanese stuff is pretty good. Now, it's really good. In many cases, it surpasses American-made, even German-made, in many cases. Um, okay, I'm going to try to struggle through the rest of this one subject, and then we're done. Oh, okay, it's pretty bad when the medicine makes you about as sick as the illness, you know. Hmm. So, we've watched the influx of Chinese goods. And everybody knew to stay away from it. Uh, the whole Japanese thing was was over and done because the Japanese learned. And they started making good stuff. And it's like, okay, good, good. It's good stuff. We'll buy it. But the Chinese stuff was as bad as the Japanese stuff, if not worse. The weird thing was that the Chinese never learned to make good stuff. They never improved their stuff one bit. Now, there are a few isolated factories in China, like Apple, and they can make good stuff only if the Western bosses stand there and watch every move like a hawk. Then they can make 
the Chinese make decent stuff. But if they don't do that, if they just turn them loose, they're going to produce shit and they seem to be incapable of learning to do anything better. Period. That's the conclusion that I've come to. So in the early days, we could see the Chinese stuff coming on the shelves because it was either said, you know, made in Japan or it had a Chinese... Japan. Either said made in China or it had a Chinese name. It's like, oh, no, thank you. No, we learned. We learned about that shit because every goddamn thing you bought, you got it home and 24 hours later or a week later or a month later, a blender, an iron, didn't matter. Toaster oven, didn't matter. It was shit. It was gone. It quit or it caught on fire or it blew up or some damn thing. So we didn't want Chinese stuff at all. What happened was that the two things happened. Uh, the profit margin on Chinese stuff was so extreme that American importers and big chains, Home Labyrinth and all, all you know, Walmart, all every every single big chain, just started importing it more and more and more and more and more because the profit was just too big to turn down. The other thing that started to happen was somebody got to the Chinese and they said, hey, people see a Chinese looking name, they won't buy your shit. You got to make a name that sounds American. And they did. And so now people are fooled into buying Chinese stuff. Now, another thing happened in the U.S. when a lot of stuff fails, people will bitch. That's the only upside to bitchy Americans. Uh, when merchandise fails, consumers will bitch. They go back to the store, they post reviews, they do all kinds of stuff. They get refunds, they'll file chargebacks on their credit cards. They're not going to stand for shit. And the retailers got this idea, they know it, and they don't want to have a bunch of chargebacks, and they don't want to have a bunch of confrontations. And uh, so... They still want that big profit, but what they've done is they have taken the worst offending Chinese crap and they kind of sort of tend to call it out because they don't want problems. Um, they still import Chinese stuff by the shipload, by the thousands of shiploads. But they try to make sure that it's a little higher grade of Chinese shit. Okay, so that keeps the chargebacks and the problems at a minimum. They still have many more problems with China, even the best grade of Chinese stuff. They have more problems than they do with American-made or Western-made stuff. But people are cheap bastards and they want cheap stuff and so they keep bringing it in. Okay, now <clears throat> in Southeast Asia there's virtually no such thing as a return policy. And Southeast Asians don't complain much at all, ever. So Southeast Asia, Thais, let's say the Thais, they buy, let's say 10,000 people buy a toaster, 9,994 of them blow up. The store probably never knows about it. If they do, they don't care. They don't care because there's no returns. Uh, Southeast Asia doesn't normally run on credit cards, so there's no such thing as a charge back. They run on debit cards. 
So once you bought something, you're on your own. That's it. You're done. So there's no incentive for Southeast Asian retailers to bring in Chinese stuff that works. They don't care. Whatever's got the highest profit, that's what they're going to bring in. That's what they're going to sell. And they probably won't even order in the stuff that has a slightly lower profit margin that works. So in Southeast Asia, all you've got is the shittiest of the shit Chinese stuff. You're not going to get American made. You're not going to get Western made anything unless you import it. And the import taxes are going to be two or three times the cost of the item. So you're not going to do it. I was in a big luxury condo for a while. It had five. We all use uh, these uh, on-demand hot water heaters here. No, there's no such thing as a hot water tank. Um, this condo had five hot water heaters. No, wait. One, two. At four. At four, I think. Yeah, it had four. Uh, in the year that I was there, I replaced them five times. So all of them once and one of them twice with new Chinese hot water heaters. That's the kind of shit you're going to get in Southeast Asia. And that translates straight across to every single item. Every single item. I don't care what it is. That's the experience you're going to have with Chinese shit. It's garbage. There was a big wig Chinese politician on the news a while ago saying, well, you know, we do this because people want cheap goods. I want to get him by scrawny little fucking Chinese throat and say, yeah, you stupid moron son of a bitch. Yeah, we want cheap stuff. But first and foremost, it has to fucking work. If it doesn't work, it doesn't matter how cheap it is. I won't give you a penny for it because it doesn't fucking work. In fact, maybe it's a liability. Maybe it's going to burn my goddamn house down, you fucking jackass, you know. Uh, Jesus Christ, they are. Are they genetically stupid? Are the Chinese genetically stupid? You know, nature or nurture? I think it's both. I think they're genetically stupid and their culture also keeps them stupid. That's what I believe. I have no use for the Chinese whatsoever. Just zero. 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 What did Zuckerberg marry? Let's see. Oh, yeah. Okay. One of the stupidest men on earth. What did he marry? Well, that's a low blow, isn't it? Zuck, you stupid little fuck. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Zuck the duck. Jesus. Oh, okay. Oh, that's a whole other rent. <laughs> that's a whole other podcast. Okay, so anywhere in Southeast Asia, that's all you're going to get. Uh, I bought a fan one time in Thailand, a big fan, a big industrial fan we needed for a huge shop. Uh, big mother. Uh, in fact, we had to get a pickup to haul it home. And I paid uh, about 500 bucks for it. Um, and we put it in the shop. It was fine. It worked fine. It was really, really noisy, but it worked fine. And a couple of years later, I, I just got to think, what the hell would that thing cost in America? And I looked it up, exact same fan, exact same brand, exact same everything in the U.S. from uh, Amazon. And it was some ungodly thing like uh, $7,000. Yeah, 
So there you go. Okay, well, we're, we're done. I don't know if we're done, but I'm done. <laughs> this is my last day of abs. Oh, geez, they are really nasty. Abs are just nasty things. They're evil. Concentrated evil. Little pills of concentrated evil. Don't take them. Be careful. Don't put yourself in a position where you have to take them from something that's totally avoidable. You know, it's one thing you catch some disease. You know, some bug gets you and then you got to take abs. Okay, well, that's bad. But, you know, you end up taking abs because your doctor prescribes shit that nearly kills you. And then you got to take the abs to straighten that out. And then abs are going to do bad things to you too. And you start wondering, what's the point in going to the doctor, you know? Well, there is a point sometimes, some cases, but not nearly as much as people think. Not nearly as much. I got stories about that. Okay. Whatever the hell episode this was, I think it was 17. I don't know. I, my brain is fading fast. Man. Okay.